Hi, I'm Rick Elsey, the promoter and booker of Squared Circle Pro out of Lubbock, Texas, and you are listening to the Three Count Podcast. Welcome everybody to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now It's Ring, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. And that's right, after 200 and something episodes, I would hope that you would say with me, I am your Sherpa. That's right. Just like Roman Reigns, I want you to acknowledge me, but it's never about me because like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. Who's entering the ring today? You see the man right next to me. Find this man with Square Circle Pro Wrestling. He is. Uh, he's a radio host. He's a wrestling booker. He's a writer. He is a toy collector. And more importantly, he's a chef that makes delicious meals. He is from the Lone Star State. Give it up for the man, Rick Elsley. Hi, how you doing? What's up? <laughs> oh, you know, just doing my thing. I hear you. Excited to be here. Me too, me too, because, you know, I saw, like, you have, like, you wear a lot of different hats, you know, like we mentioned, just, like, with the radio host, yeah. you know, obviously being a booker, a writer, you know, you have a lot of stuff always going on, so I'm just, like, I was like, okay, I can kind of relate to this guy because, you know, we have the podcast, like, I'm a worker as well, you know, I have the the whole lifting, uh, the, you know, being a personal trainer, and then obviously, like, we we both have families, right, so it's like, it's, it's, you know, you're always tied up doing something. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Uh, it's nonstop every morning to evening. It's always something. Uh, I, I have a lot of irons in the fire at all times. Uh, I don't know that I could operate any other way, but uh, it, it's, it's hectic, but uh, it's fulfilling and I enjoy it. I feel like that's like the one thing about life that a lot of people forget is that like you, you have to feel like, you get to reward reward yourself versus like, oh man, I hope this like satisfies somebody else. And like, I feel like whenever I'm busy, like I'm accomplishing a lot of things, and I feel like that's the that's the highest point for me is that that moment where it's like, damn, like I, I feel like I've accomplished a lot of things today, and I'm glad I did. I no, I totally get it. You'll have to excuse my dog has decided that he wants to get <laughs> in my face. It, it always that's happens. All right. Least expect it. <laughs> it. It's funny because, uh, like before, so uh, full transparency for people who are wondering when we're actually filming this. So we're filming this in July. Um, actually, I had just put down my dog that I had of thirteen years um, in in May, uh, and we adopted a new dog, and uh, she has yet to make her debut on the show because I always keep her in the <laughs> living room. But she is very like, I'm in your face. Hi, but hi. <laughs> so sure. like. All right, you got to yeah. stay out there with mom. I can't have yeah, you. I totally now. get that. I totally understand. <laughs> no, but for those who don't know, because, you know, you are based out of Texas, yes. you know, why don't you let our listeners know, who is Rick Elsie? Well, uh, I'm, I'm 50 years old, and uh, I've lived in Texas my entire life. I'm born and raised in Amarillo, Texas, home of the Terry Funk and the old Funk Territory. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been a wrestling fan since the age of six Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's always been something that I've wanted to do. Um, I actually trained 
in 2006. Uh, I had three actual matches and realized real quickly that the physicality part of it was not my favorite. <laughs> and so I always enjoyed the matchmaking, the creative, the building characters. Uh, so I was able to find somebody to hire me uh, from being a fan to being a booker. And uh, I've been booking since October of 2006. Wow. And uh, SCP, my the current promotion that I'm involved with, uh, we just celebrated our 10th year. Nice. Well, and I think that's cool that you kind of like, you at least got in the ring and you attempted to like do something. Like there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, well, I would have done it, but you know, it's, you know, they always do that. I learned, I learned just enough to get my ass kicked. Yeah. So. Hey, but to get into this business, like to get into this business, the sport, performance, whatever you really want to call it, yeah. uh, you have you have to have that screw loose. Like it's it's not tightened all the way down, and no. like everybody knows. <laughs> no, no, there's no one in this business can claim to be sane. No, no. <laughs> not at all. I know for me and my experience, like I started training uh, in 2020, and like you know taking my first couple bumps, and I was like, man, I was like. I really kind of enjoy this, but I also know like my shelf life is not very long <laughs> because I was like, I'm old, I'm older. And I was like, I, I'm glad I'm doing this, but I'm like, at the same time, just like, yo, this is a, uh, this is not, this is not going to last long. Like some of these other kids I see, cause I'll be real. This is a young man's sport. Yeah. And like, there's kids that are like 20. They're like, I'm moving wrestling. So I'm 40. I'm like, yeah, that's 20 years. I maybe got 10 at best. I was like, cool. But uh, yeah, I was like, I, I wanted to learn other aspects of like what the business brings. So as far as like promoting and booking and like, you know, uh, writing stories and stuff like that. So I definitely sure. understand that I'm going to have to widen out my range pretty quick because of like where I'm at. Yeah. It, it, that's the thing. You, The more hats you can wear uh, in the business, the more longevity you're going to have. Uh, not only are you going to grow as an individual, um, but you're going to lengthen your time uh, in the sport because, uh, you know, if you if you're a jack of all trades, if you're somebody who can do anything, uh, especially more than just the physical, um, you're, you're going to be around for a while if you've got the mind for it and the constitution, the passion, the desire for it. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's a huge part of it. Like, you know, the promotion that I run, um, not only do we have, you know, our wrestlers, uh, that, that, you know, put on the matches, but I mean, I've got probably, you know, 25 to 30 people behind the scenes that are constantly doing things all throughout that most of the fans would have no idea that these people are in these chairs and they're doing these things that are bringing them what they see. Yeah. No, I mean, if you're somebody who can get in there and, and learn everything and be multifaceted, then, yeah, you're going to have a longer tenure in the business because everybody's got a bump card. And at some point that bump card punches out, and you're done. <laughs> it is so true. I that's where like I, I see a lot of people with like graphic designs, like they're just killing it because like, you know, everybody needs that. And that's why I'm always like looking for like that next aspect of what I can learn. I like I started dabbling Absolutely. a little bit in like making graphic cards uh, and I've dabbed in like uh, 
photography and trying to figure out like how people put music together and mm -hmm. like just figure all that all that stuff together it's all it's all really crazy uh but it's it's really cool too because i know like the the more connections i can make the easier it's going to be for people uh to come to me and be like hey do you have a person that can do this I'm like yeah go check out yeah. that person you have a person that can do this go check out that person over there and i feel like that's kind of like a major thing too in in this community is that you need to have that that person who can kind of like point you in the direction of who you should go talk to. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, you know, in the chair that I sit in, you know, there's uh, I, I, in the area that I promote in, there are several other events, several other promoters that run shows in and around the same area that I run. And I try to make it my business to go to those promotions and help out anytime I can, uh, you know, backstage, you know, whatever, just anything that they need, because uh, that's another aspect of this business. A lot of people don't realize if you want to be involved in the wrestling business, everyone needs help. And if you can go find a way to help somebody out at some point, you know, they're going to be able to help you. Uh, this, this whole, th there's far too much, uh, drama and backbiting and craziness in wrestling when it should be about everybody helping one another uh, and spreading the wealth and making sure that everybody's getting over instead of trying to hold people down. Yeah, I feel like everybody has like that. If you work for this promotion, you can't work for that promotion mentality. And it's Crazy. like, I think about like other promotions kind of like, oh, all, you know, all Japan as well as Noah and like New Japan, like they're all they all kind of do the same thing. They kind of like, hey, we're going to sign our talent to our exclusive guys. But the crazy part is I think about like Samsung to Sony, right? So Sony had created Blu-ray technology and they gave it to Samsung because they wanted Samsung mm -hmm. to prosper just like they did. Yeah. And it's like if we took the mentality of all ships, all uh, rising rising tides float all ships, we would all get like we would all see the aspects and everything would grow together. So it's very it's very unusual for me to see people say – I'm not going to help you out because, you know, you got, you're doing this. I'm like, well, if I'm working with you, I can help them and everybody makes money. Why is that a bad thing? Exactly. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that I will say uh, that I've noticed on the Texas wrestling scene. Um, there is far more um, cooperation and uh, reaching out across boundaries uh, and, and, promoters and workers offering to help each other out. Um, I, I've experienced the other side of it as well, but uh, uh, I will say that, that at least in the last couple of years, um, I've seen far more uh, cooperation and, and goodwill than I have uh, previous. And I think that some of that might've been on the heels of COVID shutting everything down and everybody realizing, hey, if we're gonna start from scratch, which essentially a lot of people did, uh, then we can't do it on our own. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to it. It goes back to that. Everybody needs to, to work together to help each other, like get to that next level. Cause I feel like, and one thing I, I've heard from like another promoter too, they talked about like COVID pretty much just like leveled the playing field. It did. Like every, everybody from whether you were in Texas or you're in Mississippi or you're WWE or AEW, or even if you're like, you're part of a part of C3W in Maryland, Everything was on the same playing field. Everybody was fighting for the same things. And they're yeah, like well, fighting for the same crowd. Yeah, and then you're trying to reach out and just be like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna help your promotion out if you can help my promotion out." 
let's you know let's work this event try to do all these things together to build something bigger and better and it's just crazy to see that like it took something like covid to wake everybody up to say hey this is dumb yeah and then that's that's true uh, i i think that uh hey Come on. I, I view as far as like the wrestling business, the way that I looked at COVID, I looked at it like now. the uh, asteroid that took out the dinosaurs. <laughs> it just it, 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 uh, it hit. Everything was fried and now everything has to grow back. And so uh, the people that are, are doing things correctly are going to prosper. And the ones that aren't aren't. Yeah. <laughs> That's a total fair assessment. Uh, so you said that you've been watching wrestling since you were since you were six, and just what um what yeah. drew you into the sport? Uh, what drew me into the sport was uh, having a friend that knew the Funk family and meeting Terry for the first time, <sighs> and seeing as a child, and seeing you know what he was involved in and following him. And once I followed him and I saw what everything was, then I had my little local taste. But uh, then around the time that, uh, you know, Vince went national and started the, the you know, all the territories, uh, their regional TVs started uh, flipping over to, to McMahon when he went in and started buying everybody's television. Um, I, you know, got to see more product than I'd ever seen before. And it, it really, it really drew me in. And I can say that even though I was never a huge fan, even as a kid, um, seeing Hogan on the tonight show and Saturday night live and things like that, um, really opened it up because at that point I, I didn't realize this was a national thing. I just thought this was local territory stuff, you know, um, once I saw it on a national stage, MTV and Cindy Lauper and all that, it just, that's when I was like, oh, okay, these are not just guys that are going out there and fighting. They're actual characters. And then, you know, I, I unfortunately, uh, <laughs> when I was younger, my, my father took a great, uh, glee in pointing out that, uh, this was all predetermined. And, uh, I mean, you know how that is. Uh, but I didn't care because even though, you know, the first time that I figured it out, I was like, uh, okay. But I was already in love with the process. I was in love with the characters and the larger than life presentation. And then I had somebody older than me, uh, describe it to me as, uh, male soap opera. And when I had that when that took hold, then I was like, oh, okay, I get that, you know? And, and then at that point, that's what it was more about. And to, even to this day, as, as a booker and a promoter, you know, I, I hold six shows a year and on these shows, uh, when I have my production meetings with my roster and we talk about what we're going to do that night. We go over our formats and, you know, we're, we're running down everything. I tell them all the time. I'm like, guys, I know you want to go out here and do all these moves and you want to go out here and, and have 20 minutes and you want to steal the show and you want to do all this stuff, and pop these people. But I'm going to need you to remember that it's 
storyline, character, crowd connection first. And if you get all that done, then go out there and have a great match. But if you do get all those three done, even if you don't have maybe all the fundamentals and you don't go out there and put on a five-star match, whatever that means, um, then the work is usually going to handle itself if the character and the story and the crowd connection are already there. And yeah. so, you know, but that's always been what my focus was. Uh, if you can have a great match, great, go have a great match. But if you can connect and build your brand and tell your story, that's the most important thing. And that's why when you look at the business and you see all of the people who made the most money, the people who sold the most merch, the people who were, when you talk about Mount Rushmore's and you talk about people that uh, transcended the business, were some of those people okay workers? Sure. Were some of those people not great workers? Sure. But were all of those people larger than life personalities? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree. I know I, it's, it's something for me, too, was that I really enjoy, like, connecting with the crowd. I think there's, like, it's a whole nother adrenaline rush that you can get once, like, the crowd, like, gets on your side. And, you know, I, I, I normally work as a baby face. And so when I get to connect with the crowd and I see the crowd, like, get involved with the match and start, like, cheering me or even just rocking with me when I come out for my entrance music, mm -hmm. I, it's such a high that you could just build on. And then obviously, like you can hop in and you get the crowd on your side. You can get to love you or hate you, but regardless, however you, however you push the story, like I feel like you're you hit it right on the head with the three things. Like your character work has to be there, the storytelling has to be there, character work has to be there, and then your connection to that crowd has to be there as well. Otherwise, if you go out there and you do like sixty moves, but nobody can remember like what happened, they can only recall like one or two of them. That's another thing that I, I know I get it. And, and that's why I love independent wrestling so much more than televised wrestling, because when I talk with fans who do nothing but watch WWE or AEW, those people are far more concerned about the content of a match. And they're far more concerned about the backstage stories and dirt and politics um, but when I talk to fans that come to independent shows, those people are there to be entertained. And when they walk away, they remember that cool promo that guy cut, or they remember that awesome angle between those two wrestlers, or they remember one, one big move that happened uh, in a spot, but they don't, they don't walk away saying, wasn't that an amazing series of transitions and chains? And, and they, they don't talk about that right. because it's not what they're concerned about. So it, it's, it's about moments is really what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. It's cause funny, like uh, a promotion that I worked for up here in Pennsylvania, uh, I had a kid, he didn't even know my name. And that kind of like, I don't want to say that bothered me because it didn't, but well, what made it so cool was he went to his dad. And he's like, "Dad, I gotta go see, I gotta go see that guy." And the dad was like, "What guy?" He's like, "The the pew pew guy." And because he remembered <laughs> that I did a gun spot, and yeah. that's what I, I did in a match. I was like, "Pew pew pew!" Like because I did that, he remembered me. And I think it was the opening match. So he waited three hours to come see me afterwards and sure. come talk to me. And I was like, "Okay, cool." Like so, he definitely remembered me. And now then he. Now he sees me all the time and he's just all about talking to me. So it's definitely 
it's it's connecting with those moments, but then actually making sure your character work rocks with what you're what you're trying to put out there as well. Yes, I I, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, it's it's all about connection. Um, I I my my uh, my opinion is that the business is driven um, by the characters, and um, you get guys sometimes that are really really good workers. And they can get in there, they can really tear it up, but they just don't have much of a character. They're kind of bland. They don't really talk well. Um, that's why you get guys in the business that are uh, super fundamentally technical, you know, awesome wrestlers. They end up being the guys who put over the larger than life guys that probably aren't as good of workers as them. Um, because they just don't have the same star quality. And that doesn't mean that they're not, worth something it's just they're in a different chair everybody's in a different chair and if you want to move out of the chair that you're in then you need to learn something different you need to work on something different to elevate you from the chair you're in yeah no i 100 percent agree with that i think it's one thing that like i remember because randy orton talked about it and it was in a promo for a video game and i can't remember i think it was for wrestlemania like nine or WWE 19 or something like that. But he was talking about, he's like, if you find a weakness in my game, he's like, I assure you that I've already taken that weakness and made it into a strength. So it's like, you got to look at what you're, what you're missing and then figure out how to close that gap and then like excel in it. So I I think about a lot too, where Mike, like, even just for me, like, as I'm like, you know, I'm still relatively young in the game. I understand that. Like there's, there's certain things I'm just never going to do. Right. Like I'm, I can hit a 450 splash. I just probably will never hit one in a match because this is not necessary to me. I know, like, I can get, like, four or five moves over and have fun with those four or five moves, and we can tell a pretty decent story within those, with with those, you know, same moves. I think that, you know, it's like you, it's like we've been talking about this whole time. Like for me, character work is definitely what's going to be most important. But then also, you got to be able to know where your character is going, like just overall, because you can't, you can't come out there and be the same character every single time right and just run stale and then you're like well this will still get me over you have to kind of have, like know where your character wants to go in this direction and then True. learn to maneuver with those you know and i think a lot of that i think a lot of that also depends on um your your booker um you know i myself because i only have six shows a year um The way that I put my stuff together is I know where I'm starting in January and I know I've got a March show, a May show, a July show, a September show and a November show. And my November is the culmination of where I began in January. And so I when I'm putting stuff together for the guys and the girls to let them know, here's where your character's going. Here's what we're doing this year. Here's what you need to be working on. I write the November show first mm. because I want I, this is where I want everyone to be at the end of the year. And then I start backwards and I make sure that every piece builds to the previous piece. And so then once I, I since I basically book backwards, uh, I know in January I got to start with these people in order to take these next steps. And when I, you know, talk to my my workers, 
um, I let them know, you know, two, three shows in advance. Here's where, here's where we're going. And because every single step that you take in your match, in your promos, in your character work, because we only have these six shows, every single thing you do has to make an impact. They, you can't miss a step because it's like a puzzle piece and we've got six pieces. And if you break piece number two, then we have to fix piece number three. And so, you know, I, I, I try to make sure that they know there's a lot of people out there that book show to show. That they're not episodic storytellers, they're spot shows. And that because they start a, start a storyline that night and they finish it that night. Right. And there's no episodic movement from show to show to show. Um, that's, you know, if you have, you know, eight, ten shows a year, but you start your story one night and you end it the same night, that's a spot show. That's not episodic storytelling. And so that's hard for people sometimes to uh, advance their characters, uh, build their brands if they don't have an extended story to play into. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's really sometimes there's just the job of the booker. And a booker can make or break somebody's character or sometimes even if they don't intend to. It's it's a lack of it's just consistency, I think. No, I definitely agree. I like the aspect. It's almost like you're building a wrestling match, right? We start with the finish. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, booking the year, booking a year of events is just a larger match, but it's the same deal. You you know the end. So now let's find out how we're gonna get to the end. Let's put a few big spots in here, and here's how we're going to start it off. Um, it's the same thing with, to me, uh, same philosophy with putting an event together. Uh, this is the main event of the show, and this is what we're opening with, and I want to set this up to kind of roller coaster up and down, peaks and valleys all night long. Uh, I'm not trying to take people all the way up, you know, then crash them to the ground, and I'm not trying to go up, 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 up so that I blow my crowd up, you know, um, but it, it, it's all about building. And yeah, you can put the same principles to building a match as booking a show. Um, you just got to stay logical and, and you got to take the right steps and make sure that everything makes sense and it has its proper place. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. It's, it's just fun to think about like the aspect of like putting a show together, both short term and long term is definitely cool to see. That. And it's, and, and I talk about with my friends all the time, like when we put together matches and stuff, we start with the finish and then we kind of build the story around it from there. But we want to make sure that we're always doing a roller coaster ride. Like you're always just trying to bring people in and let them ride and just take them on the adventure of a lifetime. And, you know, you may be that second match and you that may not be your job. <laughs> your job may be to like get the crowd to completely hate whatever happened yes. uh, <laughs> in that match. So <laughs> it's... It's definitely it's it's weird to learn all those aspects because I know like when I watch like when I watch WWE, I feel like I'm watching the same show over and over and over again, right? Obviously, when you guys are watching this, you already know the date. Some things have changed, right? <laughs> so we'll see what happens in the future. But I kind of felt like I'm like, oh, okay, so a lot of the faces are getting over or a lot of the heels are getting over. Cool. And then, like, the main event happens, and you're, like, mm, kind of drained out from, like, whatever happened in the first hour. So yes. I definitely – I understand, like, the aspect now of, like, how we put those things together. 
yeah, and, and that's uh, I don't <laughs> WWE is such a uh, there's such a different animal um, because I don't feel like they do any long term anything anymore. Um, hopefully that's going to change. Hopefully there's there's stuff on the horizon um, because I can tell you that when I first started watching, um, you know, the, when they, they started WrestleMania, uh, yeah. WrestleMania 1 ended and they already knew what the main event for WrestleMania 2 was going to be. And everything they did was getting to that show. And it was long-term, year-long storytelling. And then, you know, somewhere in the Monday Night War, that all changed, um, which may may or may not be uh, Bischoff and Heyman's faults. Because, um, <laughs> you know, Vince was kind of in a rut. He was doing his thing. He had his, he had his weekly one-hour show. He, he booked a certain way at squash matches. He had one marquee match. Uh, champions were never on television. They just cut promos and... You went to house shows to see your stars and you got Saturday night's main event, and six pay-per-views a year. That, that was the way it was. And then you had uh, Heyman over here said, well, we're not going to do kid stuff anymore. Now we're going to do adult stuff. And then at the same time, you had Bischoff over here saying, well, no more squash matches. Everything's live. And we're going to do stars versus stars. And Vince is looking at both of this and, and they made him completely change the way he did business and then, you know, after the Monday Night Wars were over and he was the last one standing, he never changed. And right. it just got more and more and more moving in that direction away from the what brought him to the dance. And so, you know, people kind of complain about, you know, where wrestling is today with WWE. But then at the same time, those people that complain are the ones that champion the Attitude Era. Well, I don't know if you realize, but the Attitude Era kind of... <laughs> is what changed everything. So if you don't like wrestling today, but you love the attitude era, then you're kind of to blame. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's funny though, because when you think of something like, I don't know, we'll talk about like, you know, Rock Cena, right? One mm -hmm. was like a perfect example of like long-term storybooking, right? Like it was yeah. Cena versus Miz at mm -hmm. WrestleMania. The Rock got involved the next night. John Cena cuts his promo talking about The Rock. And then, like, there it goes. The year build of, like, everything that's happening for this yep. one. It's supposed to be once-in-a-lifetime match <laughs> that yeah. ended up happening twice. Of course. Yeah. in that same aspect, you had, like, a great run for John Cena and The Rock. And then you had another run in there with CM Punk, with, like, the Summer of Punk and stuff like that. So you got to tell this, like, super long story. And I felt like a lot of fans – Really, they didn't. They didn't like the ending because obviously Cena ends up winning the title. Spoiler for those who didn't know, but Cena ends up winning the title after the second once in a lifetime match for the title, and it was like people weren't happy about that. And I was like, well, you want these long term stories, but you're not happy with how it ended. You, it's, it's really well, just you now. <laughs> and that's that's another you know that that's something that I could talk about all day long is uh, most, if you break wrestling fans down into your, your smart fans and your casual fans, which I think today, because most casual fans gave up uh, and uh, you've got most, I think right now you have more smart fans than you have casual fans. Um, 
they th- those guys they 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 say they want stuff they don't they because the second they get it they complain um like a perfect example uh i i i had a couple of friends of mine say you know okay now that now that uh, vince is gone and triple h is, is in charge he needs to go in and he needs to change all these names back. Dewdrop needs to be Piper Niven again. Uh, Butch needs to be Pete Dunn. You know, they need to. And and I, I get the sentiment. I understand. But here, here's here's where I have the problem. The same people who are uh, clamoring for Pete Dunn to go back to being Pete Dunn, I guarantee you, the second that happens, they will start snidely chanting Butch at him. Yeah. on television shows and uh so that's completely counterproductive and there's actually a precedent for that with husky harris bray wyatt because they didn't like husky harris they took him off television they created this amazing character bray wyatt and on his debut what did those fans do they yep. chanted husky harris at him so you know you ask for change but then when they try to give it to you, you need to kind of be a dick. And I don't understand that. So, uh, you know, that, that's another thing that with, with fans today, uh, you know, they, they say they want long-term storytelling, but do they? Because the second that it happens that they've gone a, di- a direction that the fans didn't want or they didn't fantasy book for themselves, then, you know, now, oh, well, now it's crap. Well, you know. <laughs> some be careful what you wish for yeah. <laughs> sometimes you're gonna get it so it's uh yeah we'll we'll touch on we'll touch on one more thing and then we're gonna, yeah because listen i love talking about like what's going on with the big leagues but at the end of the day i also really don't care about the whole point to mentioning that was just to to talk about fans and and I think the fans on the indie scene, uh, they 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 don't act the same way. And so again, that that's why I, I'm so much more excited about indie stuff because uh, those fans always seem to appreciate it far more uh, than the fans of the uh, just national TV only. I like so. So this will be my question for fans as you're watching this right now. Um, and you're listening to this. Uh, tell me what the Viking name, Viking Raiders name was before they became the Viking Raiders. But more importantly, we're going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> we're going to hit this on. So, being a booker, being a promoter, what's like one of the hardest lessons you've had to learn being in the business? Uh, sometimes don't meet your heroes. <laughs> um, but no, uh, one of the things I think that. One of the hard lessons that I had to learn uh, quickly was uh, just because you had a great idea on paper doesn't mean that it actually translated to the ring. Um, because sometimes things that seem really cool when we're talking about it uh, over dinner uh, does not work when you do it live in front of people. Um, so, yeah, there's I've had my share of moments uh, since 2006 where you know we set something up that we all believed in and it, it hit and it went nowhere and you know you just pick 
pick pick up, you know, pull your pants back up and <laughs> move on, you know. Uh, but yeah, I just uh, there's another, you know, read the room. That that's another one. Read the room. Um, when I have guys debut for me from other areas, their first time on my show, they always ask me, "Am I going to be a heel or a face?" And I tell them, "I want you to go out there and be you." And the reason I say that is because I want you to go out there and make a connection. Because if I put you in a, a pigeonhole you as a heel or a face, and then my crowd turns the, the page during the match, then we've kind of messed some stuff up. I want to see them react to you. And then at that point, now we can decide which hole to put you in. You know, because I want I, I want my crowd also to believe that they have dictated some of the pace. Because if they believe that that they are responsible for that guy, then they're going to support that guy. Um, if they believe, you know, if they if I find out somebody hates somebody right away, then I if I've got an immediate heat magnet on my hands, I know I can do something with that guy. Um, far more than not, I think people have an idea of what they're going to do with somebody, and they shove them out there. And if the crowd doesn't react the way that they want them to react, then they double down and keep pushing. And it's like, why? Why are you doing that? Yeah. You're just you're just making it worse. So yeah, definitely read the room. Organic responses are always the best. Yeah, I definitely I can I can relate to that. Where I thought like to myself, like I was like, you know, like I got asked if I wanted to work face or heel, uh, and I had never I've worked heel like maybe a handful of times. So I was like, well, let's go try it out, and I just felt like. I just felt like a fish out of water. I was like, I was just not connecting and it just, it didn't feel natural. And then I started getting nervous. Cause I got too much in my head about it. Whereas like when you work as a, when I work as a face, like I feel like I kind of connect more with the crowd and I can kind of like get that, Hey, get that good old boy charm thing going over. And uh, yeah, definitely. It was definitely crazy, but there have been other aspects where like I've been able to turn over uh I got like one person that just she loathed me at this <laughs> at this event and she hated me and I was like all right I'm just going to pick on this person until to the point where I have her if she doesn't drop an f bomb at me by the time I leave here I have done my job and sure mm -hmm. enough like my friends win this the win these titles and this lady let me have it <laughs> and I was just <laughs> I was like we have done we have done this job well. <laughs> so it was like, all right. I was like, maybe I could work as a heel if I'm with the right people. I was like, but me right now is just like, I'm not ready to just like make that heel approach yet. But I was like, I definitely felt like sure. that for, we're starting to grow. And I was like, I'm very happy about where this might be going. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Uh, I, I, I find it very, um, I find it very pleasing when they react in a way that tells me, okay, they're invested and for, for good or bad, they're invested. So how do I build on this? How do I, if they're cheering, how do I make them cheer more? If they're booing, how do I make them throw garbage? You know? So, um, and, and that, that's always fun. Uh, 
I, I do think that it's more challenging to get cheered than it is to get booed. Um, it is super, super easy to make somebody hate you. Um, but to make somebody believe in you to the point that uh, even in defeat, they are on your side, that takes talent. And a lot of that's why I think more people want to be heels than want to be faces, because quite honestly, it's easier. And they don't have to work as hard. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I love it when when we can come up with something that catches hold of the fan, whether they catch hold of it and we can cultivate that and build it, that that's my favorite, favorite stuff is watching people come along with an idea. And now, now we've got them, we've hooked them. Let's see how far we can take it. Yeah. Sorry. I think I'm having like technical difficulties right now. I don't know if you can, you froze up a little bit, but I can hear you. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. So I like just did notice that my camera decided to go off. So I was like, nah, I got, try to turn it back on <laughs> you're okay there you are there we are. <laughs> so i was like watch i was like all right cool so we're in a process all right so i'm gonna have to make sure keep mine at the edit on this one so uh let me look at all right so three two one yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree with where you're at as far as, like, connecting with the crowd. Like, it just, it makes it makes sense. Um, sure. One thing that I was wondering is, as a promoter, as a booker, what kind of advice do you get for, like, upcoming wrestlers? Oh, um, the first thing that I usually tell people is um, you really never, never stop going to training. Never. Um, just because you won a title on a show, um, and, and let's be honest, you didn't win it. You were given a title, um, just because you were put in a place where a promoter said, you know, I'm going to give you this, uh, that doesn't mean you stop going to training. Um, you, I, I had, I think in 2008 and 2009, I worked very closely with Jerry Lynn on several shows and got to know him and somebody of his caliber who had worked Ring of Honor, ECW, WWF, WCW, Global. He'd been everywhere, done everything. To hear him say, I never stop learning, like that, that's too, too many times out there I see young guys uh, have immaculate gear. Um, they've got 90,000 moves and a bunch of taunts. Uh, it's like they walked right out of a video game and they get in that ring and they do whatever they can to pop the crowd. But between shows, they're never at training. And, you know, it, it's, I think it's more about aesthetics to them. And I tell guys all the time, man, I don't care what you look like. And if you've got a body, great, you know, um, it's ideally have gear, you know, that's great. Um, but I, I, would rather you be grinding, uh, in the ring and, you know, not be super, super polished, but at least I know that you're working, you're, you're, you're trying to get better. Um, 
I just I think that you know never ever ever stop going to training. Always continue to grow. Don't get complacent. Too many guys get complacent too fast, and sometimes that's not their fault. Sometimes that's promoters. If I if I on my show, I have several people on my show who have trainees at their home promotions, and they bring them to me and they say, you know, hey, do you have a spot for this guy? Uh, is there something this guy can do? And yeah, sure, I'll, I'll try to work them in. I'll use them when I can. But I guarantee you, um, I would never put a title on somebody on their first show in my promotion, ever. But I see promotions do that all the time. Bring somebody in on their first show and make them their champion. Why did? Why would you do that? Why? Why? Do you realize what you've just done? You, you've you've blown that guy's head up. And, and you know, some people can handle it, but I have more people than not. I don't think they can. Uh, you, you guys just get too complacent. No, I definitely, uh, I definitely agree. I've seen that happen. Uh, we can talk more about it offline. We won't talk about it online because I get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Promoter, booker, uh, also a chef. I just need to know one do and one don't of the locker room. Do and a don't of the locker room. Um, uh, so many people are going to say, make sure you shake everybody's hand. Um, I, I'm not saying don't shake everybody's hand, but when you walk around the room and you just shake people's hand, but you don't know who they are and you don't have a conversation. You're just shaking hands to shake hands. You're really just doing something that somebody told you to do. Um, I, I'd honestly, if, if you're not going to say hi to me and like introduce yourself, I don't know that I want to shake your hand. So I would say, please be personable when you walk into a locker room. Um, have open conversations, introduce yourself. Um, but probably, I guess one thing I would say, the definitely the don't. If it's your first time in a locker room and you're working with somebody who's been in the ring longer than you, don't sit down and immediately tell them what you want to do. That, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Don't do that because you're probably going to get the shit beat out of you. So <laughs> don't do that. I, I I can attest to that. One thing that I not that in a bad way, right? Let me put that out there because yeah, I've learned I've learned uh, lessons from other people and just seeing how that plays out. Uh, but I got to work in a ring with a person I was very excited. I had seen him work before, and I was like, I wonder one day I'll get in a ring with that person. And qu coincidentally, it was my debut at a promotion, and I was supposed to be in a I was supposed to be in a gauntlet match. I was super excited about being in this gauntlet match, and at the last second. They pulled me out the gauntlet match and put me in in another match, right? It was a debut match against the champion. And uh, I was like, holy shit, like, this is the guy I wanted to work. And so, you know, he came in, super nice guy. We sat down, we had a great conversation. And then the first question he asked me, so what do you do? And I legit was like, uh, just listen and take orders. That's what I do. <laughs> and he started... Nice. He started laughing. He goes, he goes like, he's like, 
all the years in the business, he's like, this is the first time I ever heard someone tell me that they just listen. And I was like, yeah. He's yeah. like, all right, what do you really do? And let's go from there. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's yeah. talk about it. And so we did. And it was, we had a fun match. And uh, I was definitely appreciative. And he even like went backstage and was like, yo, bring this kid back, put him back on the card, you know? So having yeah. the champ like advocate for me was awesome. But I was like, it was very appreciative because I was like, the, he, that's what he said too. It was like the first thing that you told me that you just listen. He's like, that's what got me in. So I was like, yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> um, I guess one other thing I would also say, uh, as somebody who pitches ideas a lot, uh, is very invested in characters and storytelling, um, two phrases that immediately raised red flags for me and kind of turned me off. Uh, the, that doesn't work for me, brother. I, 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 I hate hearing that. Um, even if it's something that you don't like, can we just have a conversation about it? Let me try to explain it to you because when you come at me with that doesn't work for me, brother, then that just tells me, okay, you're, you're, pigeonholed in this idea of what you are. And so if you're not willing to grow, then I, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I don't like to hear is, uh, well, seven minutes doesn't give me enough time to get all my stuff in. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. Um, if you know 99 moves and you expect to work six times a year for me, then if you can do basic math and divide 99 by six and then subtract, you know, the amount of minutes that you think you're going to get versus what you think you need, it'll, I'll tell you right now how many moves you need to be doing. And if I've only got seven minutes for you, go maximize those minutes, tell your story, get maybe 10 of your moves in and give them a reason to come back in two months and see you again. (laughs) <laughs> don't go out there and blow your 99 moves because then why, why do I need to come back? Right. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I was like, listen, Jericho have new 2000 holds. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I saw him use all 2000 <laughs> like, no. and he's no. been in the business for 30 plus years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you, that's another reason why I don't lie. And, and this is kind of, this will be weird. I don't know if you ever heard anybody say this. Um, I don't like, uh, I don't like signature moves. And, and here's why. Because too many people just kick out of them now. You got to do your signature move like nine times in a match to get somebody to, to, to get beaten by it because of all the falsies. And so why are we doing it? If it's not going to finish somebody off, um, what's the purpose? And uh, so I, I don't like that. But um, I, I feel like if you have two or three different things that can be connected to your character where you can use a certain move in March, you can use a certain move in May, you can use a certain move in July, and they never know which one you're going to use and they don't know which one's coming, but that's the one that finishes the night, that makes you look like you're more well-rounded and accomplished 
than if we use the same move every show and they kick out of it eight times before you finally beat them with it. <laughs> yeah. I I am not a fan of like hitting a finisher multiple times no. in a match. I just no. it's called a finisher for a reason. <laughs> yeah, for a reason. That's yeah, the, you pretend yeah, protect man, protect your finishers. Protect your finishers. <laughs> but those are all the heavy hitting questions that I do have. But we do got to jump into the second best segment of the three count podcast. You probably try to figure out what the first one is. It's uh, it's right there. It's the Red Dogs Power Rankings that you can find every Sunday on our debate show. This is the three count podcast, ten count questions. And Mr. Rick, this is how it works. I'm gonna fire off ten questions at you rapid fast. Whatever your answer is, that's your answer. Okay. So we're gonna put on the imaginary timer for added pressure. <gasps> Bing! And in the words of Mike Goldberg, here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Smackdown. Favorite movie? Uh, Clue. PlayStation or Xbox? I don't play video games. He said, not a fan. Uh, <laughs> cartoon, favorite cartoon? Uh, South Park. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Walmart or Target? Walmart. Favorite actor? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Let's go. Uh, Apple or Android? Android. Okay. Favorite podcast? This one. Side question. Favorite radio show? <laughs> Mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then we got to plug your stuff in there, too. <laughs> Nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. On this podcast? Yes, um, I would actually really love for you to talk to, uh, there's a very young up and coming guy who is, uh, very excited about his career and takes everything very seriously. Uh, his name is Draven Reeves. And I think that he is somebody that, uh, you'd really enjoy talking to. That. And then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person who comes on this podcast, favorite curse word. Oh, it's it's the multifaceted F word. I mean, you can use it for everything. It, it's um, it's even better if you put mother in front of it. So yeah, yeah. 100%. So, <laughs> it's a noun. It's a verb. It's an adverb. It's an adjective. You can use it for everything. Right. I love the fact that, like, I uh, on my TikTok, right? I have a, I have the history of the F word, which was a video that you can find on YouTube. But it's like the greatest, like, two minutes and thirty nine seconds, like, you could ever have. Because they even <laughs> talk about how you can like enter it into other words, so you'd be like, absolutely, or in fucking incredible. And yeah. I think that's great. It is the most multifaceted word in our language. <laughs> it's. It really is. Listen, those are all the questions I have for you. So if you could let our listeners and our viewers know where they could find you. Well, uh, I am also a member of the Heck Yeah Radio team at heckyahradio.com. And we have a radio show that airs all day, uh, every Monday. It's called Ringside with Wrestling Rick and Mr. NL. And we basically run down the week of wrestling every week. Uh, we also have different, you know, side things that we do on the show. Um, 
HeckYeahRadio.com also broadcasts Squared Circle Pros, six events a year, which I'm the booker of in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, you can watch those shows there. Um, and uh, as far as I have a Facebook, I have a Twitter. Um, I'm not too terribly active with those things unless I'm promoting wrestling. Um, so I guess if you really wanted to follow me or listen to me, you'd go to HeckYeahRadio.com and listen to our show every Monday. Bad. There you have it. Told you where you can find him. You can listen to his radio show, heckyeahradio.com. And uh, you guys know what that means. This means like every part of a wrestling match, everybody's favorite part of a wrestling match. We got to take this home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Into Your Ring. And I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. And that's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. And you see him right there. The man, the myth, the legend, the one who runs Square Circle Pro, Rick LZ. And you guys know what that means. You guys tune into the next episode and be there or you're legitimately subscribing to this YouTube channel. You're following all of our social medias because it's right there on the bottom. You're going to our pro wrestling tees and you're picking up our t-shirt, which is right here in the middle. And then, you know, you're just, you know, having active conversations and sharing with your friends. Or you're really just waiting for this podcast and you're waiting for that outro. And then you're choosing another episode to listen to. Peace. Thank you very much. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give us a subscribe, turn the bell on, turn the notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. Oh, at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.